Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We have one of those gigantic long stereos. One half was a album repository or place uh-huh. with a sliding thing on the top. And the other half was a record player with a needle and all that stuff. And we were always playing playing that stuff. I remember playing the Wild Thing by the Trogs like a thousand times in a row and the whole family went to kill me. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of music in the house. And I played the violin and the trumpet. And then I tried playing, I audited the trap drums when I was in college. I was not coordinated <laughs> to do all that stuff together. That was a disaster, all right? But yeah, my brother played trumpet. My both my brothers played trumpet. Yeah, so there was there was a lot of music in the house. Yeah, for sure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson. Joining me tonight is Tom. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Mister Jesse. I got to ask you. I, I tried my best to figure out what set lusting means. Can you enlighten this poor, dumb hick? <laughs> I here? absolutely can. Thank you for asking. Anybody um, else ask that? Or yes, are- I've been doing this since 2015. And one of the things you go is if I could go back, I would have used a different title. Someone asked, why didn't you use Jackson Cage? which is one of his songs and it was like i'm jackson so that would i'm like done now you tell me all right couple things to know tom one when bruce tours he often changes up the set list often now on this current tour he isn't changing the set list very much which has led to a little bit of controversy around springsteen fans but historically especially over the past tours from around 2012 till this tour he would change the set list fairly often the second thing you need to know is that people at springsteen shows will often live post the set list so they will sit there either on twitter or x or facebook or whatever oh third song is blank fourth song is blank then Fans who aren't at that show follow along to see what song. And if he plays a rarity or a song that you love, you stop set listing and you start set lusting. Why he's doing this? Why? I can't believe I'm not there. Uh, So that's where the name came from. All right. Good explanation. Now, another hard question for you. Yeah. All right. I understand he sold his record, uh, his music catalog for half a billion dollars, right? That is correct. Does that mean that he has to pay royalties when he plays a live show? No, he does not. That into the deal, no, probably. Yeah, that uh, what what is though, if anybody who wants to use his songs 
in a TV commercial or a movie now no longer have to negotiate with him. They negotiated with Sony. So Sony can use that music however they want. Uh, Does ASCAP and BMI uh, handle that for Sony or they go direct to Sony? That I don't know. That's a great question. So yeah, the thought is that this is a lot of to do this, and you may know a little bit about this, tax purposes. He's in his his middle 70s, his three children. One of them is in the music business, but the other one is a a, uh, firefighter and the other one's an Olympic silver medalist and model. So they don't want to be in the music business. So for estate plannings, they say this is much easier to have a half a billion dollars in liquid assets for estate planning works out pretty well. Yeah, I'm sure. The reason I know about ASCAP and BMI, because I had the dubious distinction in the 1980s of having them come down on my head for one song we played at my nightclub. When I was closing the nightclub, they had still snuck somebody in. And yeah. that's a quarter of a million dollar lawsuit, which we settled for 44 or 5,000. <laughs> what were you playing? I don't know. I even remember That's it was so song, in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah. But it was, you have to have a license to play this stuff in, in mm-hmm. for profit places. And we did. But then the drinking age went from 18 to 21. And, and the staff had the second biggest nightclub in the state. And yeah, we played music like crazy and had plenty of licenses for it. But then when the drinking age went from 18 to 21 and I was closing up, eh, heck, no sense renewing. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Yes. It's, I've worked as a bar back. I've had friends who are DJs. And that is a unique skill to mix the songs enough to keep the people up and dancing and moving. That is a creative talent in its own right. Just well, we trying had, we to do it. science to it because we had yeah. live bands and DJ. And yeah. so the live bands would play whatever set that we didn't push them either way but once that they took a break and the dj started playing then there was a science to that on beats per minute yeah so we would start out uh, high beats per minute and keep people like all wild and crazy and then slow them down to then hit a slow song and the dance floor would empty because we was packed all the time and give those a chance people to go order drinks and spend a lot of money and then the slow dance lovers were up there and then it would repeat uh go high beats per minute and then the band would come back on and you know that kind of stuff there was so much science to the nightclub business and even the tables do you know there's a science to tables in the nightclub no share we originally had cocktail tables which were low and i was in a resort area believe it or not, in West Virginia, <laughs> there was a resort area. And people would come down from Pittsburgh that owned the big 2001 disco nightclubs. They'd come to my bar and we became friends and they started teaching me the stuff that was happening at the big clubs. They said, you got to get rid of these low tables, Tom. He said, you put the high tables in because the low tables when the, a guy goes, walks across, everybody in the place sees him walking across to ask a girl to dance, and then he gets shut down, then he's all embarrassed. So it knocks out the engagement and the, the, the play like that. When the tables are high, nobody notices when you're walking through the crowd. And if you get shut down, nobody sees it. Wow. It really increased everything. Also, the waitresses loved me after I learned this tip. Okay. Uh, 
we increased their tips about 30% when I learned this tip from the guys from Pittsburgh that came down from Pittsburgh. When if I held a dollar bill, I don't have one on me right now, up to you with the face of it, George Washington, and then I just turned it around to the backside and said, which one is more perceived as more valuable? Mm-hmm. Everybody says the one with the face on it, right? So when the waitresses gave back the money, they always put it face down so that the less valuable side of the money was showing, <laughs> okay? And then they always put the the ones first, fives, tens, twenties, or fifties, because you're probably not going to get the 50. But right. as you go down the list, the trays are sticky. Yes. <laughs> so, People, the guy doesn't want to look like a cheapskate trying to get every little piece off of that that tray. Yeah. And so they, their tips went way up and they held the tray just imperceptibly out of the reach of the, usually the guy paying. And again, he didn't want to look like a cheapskate fumbling for everything. And they always got change. It's always mm-hmm. stuck in the bottom of the tray. Yeah. But it increased the tips about 30%. One of the things I notice, and I will comment if it's not busy, is, in fact, I was just at Austin City Limits in May, and I ordered like a sparkling water and seven bucks or whatever it is, and I gave her a 20, and she gave me a five and then eight ones. (laughs) Exactly. And I said, you're a very smart woman. Exactly. Yeah. And That's... she said, yes, I am. And so I, I, I think I, th- I gave her a $3 tip. But every once in a while, you'll see a new bartender or a new waiter that will, like, let's say it's nine fifty, They will give them a 10 and 50 cents back. And you just want to go, no, now I have to ask, can you break this for me? Uh-huh. Or, and most people won't. They're just going to maybe leave you that 50 cents or leave you nothing. But if you give them the ones, make it a little bit easier for them to tip you, right? Actually, easier on that part, but harder to pick the money up. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Wow, that was awesome. Tom, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little about yourself. I've never had a job, and my my podcast is called Screw the Commute based on the fact I never had a job, had about 800 episodes. You're one of the few that's beat me. (laughs) I left the review for you, by the way. Thank Um, you. So never had a job. And so when you look at my resume, it's like, how could this has got to be BS? How could somebody do all this? If you're not in traffic, making somebody else rich hours and hours a day for years and years, you could have plenty of time to do other stuff. So I've always had my own business long before the internet came along an entertainment company long it was called prank masters and it was long before punked and any of that stuff was there we custom designed practical jokes did over four thousand of them in and around washington dc and that led me into a speaking career which i've been all over the world done about three thousand speeches in 12 countries and then that was even before the, the commercial internet started around 1994 and when that started i was selling back in those days cassette tapes and things like that at the back of the room. And it was hard enough to sell them at the at the event, let alone sell them around the world from your desktop. So when the commercial internet came along, I said, I've got to figure this out. And so, so I just, every spare second, I was learning internet stuff. 
And I got so good at it, I hit multimillionaire status four years later. That was 23 years ago. And I do it today. I'm just a fanatic. I'm One of my monikers is the multimillionaire next door because I grew up very frugal. This sign behind me is something we'll talk about later. My dad, that was a big seminar we did as a tribute to my dad who came on a cattle boat back in the early 1900s from Syria. Mm-hmm. And made me into an entrepreneur and I they're actually doing a documentary about my me being called the American entrepreneur based on the fact he came from Syria with nothing he actually put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie Pennsylvania when he was 10 years old wow his own electrical contracting firm when he was 13 and so I, that's all I saw my whole life was entrepreneur stuff and very frugal stuff he would buy used lumber make us kids take the nails out, straighten them out so he could reuse them. And we had well water. To this day, I can't let the water run while I'm brushing my teeth because I hear my dad saying, don't waste water, don't waste things because that's what he came from. And, And my name is a mistake. So he came from Antioch, Syria. And in those days that you were named from the village you were born in. So his he was Saman from Antioch. And he came into Ellis Island and they couldn't read it. So he's, what is that? All right, you're Sam Antion. That's how we got her name. His name's up there on the wall. Yeah. So my whole thing has been a, a pursuit of excellence for my own use. For instance, when I uh, came out of the entertainment business, I didn't know anything about professional speaking and being politically correct and going into boardrooms and big uh, seminars. So I started studying like crazy. And I got so good at it. I was getting great money speaking, but then people were begging me to teach them. So when you pursue excellence in something, people will notice, and then they'll ask you to teach it. So that's a a second revenue stream from it. And then when the internet came along, I was just doing it to sell my stuff. And then Mm -hmm. I got so good at it, people started begging me to teach them, and the same thing happened again. So that's what I'm best known for now, since I've been selling on the commercial internet since 1994 when it started. That's what I do. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I want to go back to your growing up. You've already told a little bit of stories about that. I do think every once in a while, you mentioned Bruce selling worth a half a billion dollars now. And every once in a while, someone will say, he can't remember being poor. And I go, I think you always remember if you struggled as a child, there are things that are always that you, that, that bother you, right? My, my wife will take bottled water to pour into a pitcher to make like tea. And I'm like, we have a filter in the machine, the ice chest, the refrigerator. Or as my son said, we live in a nice part of Dallas. The water's not bad out of the tap. But anyway. I think uh, I heard you talking about, you listen to a podcast, Penn and Teller podcast. Or yeah, Penn, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They did a thing one time where they, yeah, this water business is a racket to me. I was in the prank business, so I know how to manipulate people's minds. And I'm also, I've got a TV show in development Hollywood called Scam Brigade, just robbing people. So they did this thing one time where they got this super fancy bottle and they went behind the casino and filled it up out of a garden hose. And then they gave it to the waitress. You know this story? They gave it to the Please tell it. Yeah, yeah, they give it to the waitress and say, hey, this is the newest thing from Europe. We're going to charge like $9 a bottle for this. What do yeah. you think? About it? And they're like, oh, man, it's so crisp and clear. And then you cut to them. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Oh, so I think a bunch of guys in New Jersey are smoking and filling up bottles. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about growing up. Was there a lot of music in the house? Yeah, we had, in in fact, I still have it. We have one of those gigantic, long stereos. One half was an album repository or place Uh with a sliding thing on the top, and the other half was a record player with a needle and all that stuff. And we were always playing playing that stuff. I remember playing Wild Thing by the Trogs like a thousand times in a row and the whole family went to kill me. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of music in the house. And I played the violin and the trumpet. And then I tried playing, I audited the trap drums when I was in college. I was not coordinated <laughs> to do all that stuff together. That was a disaster, all right? But yeah, my brother played trumpet. My both my brothers played trumpet. Yeah, so there was there was a lot of music in the house. Yeah, for sure. So you've already mentioned this, but I often talk to people who are writers, and I'll say, "Did you read a lot? Were you a family of readers?" And sometimes they aren't. But it sounds like you were a family of entrepreneurs. It entrepreneurs. was something was part of the spirit. Definitely entrepreneurs, but also when you talk about reading, 
See, my dad, who only went to the second grade formally, I recall when he retired watching, I mean, he was the smartest guy I ever knew. He sat down and read the entire world book encyclopedia. All 20, back in the day, it was volume, sure. 26 volumes. You're, you remember that, but a lot of people are like, what no, is no. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was Wikipedia on paper. Exactly. <laughs> hard cover, by the way. Yes. And this, this wide and then supplements. And he read the whole thing. And so he was, he was, I was valedictorian in my school, but you know, that's not bad for homeschool. Yeah. So we were all good academics, but entrepreneurship was just right in our face because my dad had come, moved out of Pittsburgh, which was a really in the day, a really steel town, dirty, filthy, dangerous. And he wanted his kids not to grow up in that environment. So he took every nickel he had, moved 60 miles out of town to the little pitiful town we live in now, or we did live in, and started a truck stop on National Route 40, goes all the way to California. And uh, ran that for years and years until Route 70 bypassed it. And then then that was the end of that. But yeah, it's like I said, all I saw was entrepreneurship and uh, you can have whatever you want as long as you work for it. It was a small town. To this day, the population is 500. Uh -huh. And we lived in the suburbs. Right? So we were out in the sticks. Uh, but it was a place where your handshake meant something. And uh, it was like, if you messed up, the whole town would come down on your head and not get sued for it. It was like the village, yeah. raise the village. And, and it reflected in me later in life because I told you the drinking age went from 18 to 21 in my nightclub. And so I, I could have gone bankrupt. You know, I lost about $400,000. I was on my way to being a millionaire before I was 30 and lost everything. And I could have gone bankrupt, but I'm thinking my dad's saying, you don't screw people over that believed in you and, and trusted you and all this stuff. So I went to every creditor and I said, look, it wasn't my fault. I wasn't some alcoholic that drunk up all the profits and drank up all the profits. And they said, I know, Tom, it really sucks. I said, listen, if you give me time, I'll pay you off. I was young and tough and I could do it. And every one of them said, yeah, of course, they didn't have much choice. I could have gone bankrupt. But right. they, yes. And I ended up paying them all off. Never went bankrupt over that massive loss. So people remember that. If I went back to that town today, they'd say, that's the guy that did not screw us. And so that's you got your reputation is all you have and when it, when it comes down to it. You know? So one of the things that I, I've had someone on the podcast that she does a podcast about creativity and the, one of the things that bothers her the most is people saying i don't have a creative bone in my body and she's yes you do we were born with creativity and it's just it's been taken out of us because you're not creative you're not creative i say that i do not have an entrepreneurial spirit i am someone who doesn't like to take risks i the couple of times I've done sales, I was really bad at it. So I like that steady paycheck, right? I, I'm okay with that. But would you agree there are, would you disagree with me if there are people with that entrepreneur spirit and there's people who aren't? Or would you argue anyone could do that if they want to? 
Yeah, I would. That's exactly how I would say. It. They have to be motivated to do it. But I'm not that brilliant. I just per persist. People ask me, "How come you're so successful?" Persistence and consistency, and I don't mind failing, which that is a big thing for a lot of people. That's why they don't do it. They're afraid of failing. Where I was raised, and I got to tell you the story about um, this photo back here. I, in fact, it's a good time for it. Okay. So my dad, I told you, only went to the second grade, right? Now. And this is music related. Do you remember a song by Johnny Cash called A Boy Named Sue? Sure. All right. Well, the gist of the song for your listeners is the fact that uh, this old drunk cowboy didn't think he'd be around to raise his kids. So he named him Sue to make him scrap and fight and become tough. Well, my dad was 50 when he had me. I was a baby of six boys and he figured he wouldn't be around. So remember, he only went to second grade. He's a lot smarter than all yeah. these psychologists out there. So he said, I'm going to make my kid be able to overcome obstacles. So from the time I could crawl, he would put pillows in front of me, put my toys on the other side to teach me how to overcome obstacles. And to this day, I'm unstoppable. Now, I won't cheat or step on somebody to get where I'm going. But if you tell me I can't do something. You better get out of the way while I blow by you doing it. See, when somebody tells you you can't do something, folks, it has nothing to do with with you. It, it has to do with them. They can't do it. Right? It has nothing to do with you. So he gave me that from a young time. And a lot of people didn't have that. But a lot of single parents, uh, no fa <clears throat> father or, or strong figure in the house, whether it be father or mother. And, and it's more difficult. But for those of you having kids... Give them that early. Don't give them everything. Make them fight and work for it. And and you'll be giving them a legacy that long past you're gone, they'll be thriving. Do, do you have children? Do I have what? Do you have children? No, I don't have any children okay. myself. But, but that brings up another funny kind okay. of thing. Because I did a, a thing one time called the Antion Success Method, one of okay. my painting methods. And okay. it was a live call where I was ragging on parents. I was just reaming them. And the phone is ringing off the hook. My assistants are in there and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going to get, going to get reamed for this stuff I'm saying. I'm telling them they're coming up with the next generation of human losers and all that stuff. But I was prefaced it with the fact I'm acting as a reporter. I, right. I said, listen, I don't know the struggles that you go through as a parent. I can't pretend to. All I know is the result who coming to me to get a job. Right. And this is what I'm basing my thoughts on. Somehow they got here. And the first day, this girl that was dumb as a stump asked me, where's my bonus? Is it? She's here four hours. And then she left for lunch and never came home. Came back. So I ragged on about that stuff. But it's getting worse. Did you see the study out of Baltimore? that they studied 600 high school kids. Only 12 of them, Jesse, could read at their level, their high school level. Mm. Over 120 of them were kindergarten level reading in high school. Wow. And that's why I teach people, you got to dummify down your books, teach people how to write books and do all kinds of stuff. You got to dummy stuff down because... Man, it's, the, and I actually had a student, one of my, in my mentor program, she was 31 years old and illiterate, but a college graduate. How does that happen? She said, 
hey, I came from Puerto Rico in New Jersey. The high school just said, move them through, get them through, get them out of here. And then she was such a good hustler by then. She got everybody to do her work for her in college and got a college degree and was still at 31 years old, illiterate. So that's that scares me about the up and coming stuff. Yeah, it does me too. And my day job, I run a call center. We do roadside assistance for the RV industry. And I have some great employees, but I also have it's it's a very different environment. I my brother-in-law was attending a conference and he works for a company that does software for the housing industry, like apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. And the speaker said that you don't understand this instant gratification. He said, it's already happened where, as you mentioned, they don't want to wait till payday. (laughs) They did their work today. Pay me today. And he says, there actually are places where, and I've done some Uber driving, right? Where you can do that if you want. You can you can cash out any time. But there will be people that companies where you put your card in a kiosk and it's here's your money for what you work today. It's yeah. just it is a weird situation. And as a businessman, you can whine all you want, but the reality is that's where we're at, and you've got to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, I was interviewing a, I don't know, Gen Z, Gen something expert. Yeah. I forget now. It's been a couple hundred episodes ago. But she was, I was saying, hey, when I, the way I do things, if you're not early, you're late. I'm on time or early for everything. You saw when I clocked into this thing, I was yeah. 10 minutes before go time, right? So she said, Tom, our generation, time is somewhat fluid. And I'm saying, wait a minute, you mean if I have a store, and I put a sign on the door, open 9 a.m., maybe 9.30, it depends on <laughs> how does that work? She said, maybe our generation not right for that kind of job. I said, darn, if it was my store, it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, it is this. And I will, I think one of the things working in a call center helped me. And my son, um, by osmosis, because... My first call center job was in 89, and that was the first. He was born in 89, so he has literally spent his adult childhood all growing up, me working in a call center where um, you had to be on time, right? And and the idea of you saving your sick time for when your kid's sick. So, yeah, I think it is, and, and I don't want to get it to grumpy old man syndrome, but it is very different now. And there is this expectations that I had my managers, I was talking to them and they're like, we need to do something. And I reminded them, I said, there's a process in getting rid of people. And it's, I said, you want to know what my fantasy is? And they looked (laughs) a little scared. I'm like, no, my fantasy doesn't involve necessarily having Bruce Springsteen on the podcast, though I would love that, or making millions of dollars. But sometimes I have the fantasy of walking into an office and just going, I don't like the way you look. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You didn't, do, one, but... you didn't do your job. 
you're fired, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's another on a side note. How'd you end up as a blueberry in in Texas? Is they ever think of sending you to India or somewhere? <laughs> it is so strange. I didn't know I was a blueberry. I I grew up in. Uh, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot, and I think that's part of the reason why. Even though I grew up in the South, I did not have a lot of the built-in biases because, as my dad said in the army, everyone's green. They're all getting the shaft together. Um, <laughs> and then, so as I started working, I just, I had some really bad bosses and I decided that I wanted to be the kind of boss they weren't. That's where I learned how to, and the other thing that was huge for me for work reasons is our son, our pediatrician said, read the strong-willed child. I think you have a strong-willed child and it's a book I really think that will help you. And one of the premises of the book is you can't hold your child accountable unless you've told them in advance what the expectations were. You need to tell them that they need to be in bed by 8 p.m. If you don't set that expectation, you can't get mad because they don't go to bed at 8 p.m., right? And I went, doesn't that work for management too? <laughs> like, shouldn't I have to tell my agent? So anyway, that's where I got a lot of that. But all of a sudden, I realized that I'm this, I just seem to have a lot more left-leaning ideas in a state that is very right-leaning. And so, yes, I am a blueberry and a very strawberry. And my wife says all the time, like, why are you there? <laughs> why are we here? All our friends, none of them think this. I, I bought and we, we yeah, learned but you do have a smoker and I want some of those chicken wings. There we go. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, they were good. Yes. I don't care. Um, strawberry blue, whatever you are. Yeah. <laughs> I want those chicken wings. So you mentioned that. Music did pay a part of your success. So tell me a little bit about that. Besides the nightclub, where there is there a theme? You said that music has been part of you. One of the things, this is very few people know this about me, but I've worked at very high levels my whole life on my own terms, which is why I, I don't have to deal with anybody else. Oh. But just to decompress, I have listened to so many hundreds of hours of America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, and X Factor. Okay. And I just, I burn up boxes of Kleenex because I just love when the underdog makes it big. And, and it's almost always music related. I don't really watch the magicians or anything so much, but the, the music. And right. some of it just brings you to tears. Uh, you hear their stories. They're, those people are good. Those TV people are good at manipulating your emotions. Too. Yes, they are. They are good at that. They're telling that works. story. Yes. It works I for agree. me. Yes. And, and it just, it just, especially if something's going hard and, and I see that person's living on the street busking, which is just uh -huh. singing the subways and stuff. There's a, yeah. there's a guy singing 30 some years in the subway, got his break on America's Got Talent, balling and for, yeah, about it. So it's what keeps me, it's one of the things I'm self-motivated, but it's one of the things that I just fall back on. And I go out and do these gigantic speeches and everybody's, oh yeah, you're the greatest. Thank you. But I'm an ISTP on the Myers-Briggs thing, which I don't know if that's an oil treatment or I'm introvert. <laughs> you know, so okay. I come back home and I just live in this big estate by myself. 
yeah, with the dogs, uh, of course, and 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 I don't have to have the limelight all the time. In other words, but the music has been a big part of of that. And then I grew up with Billy Joel and Bachman Turner Overdrive, and oh, I got I made a whole list of them just to try to remember: Doobie Brothers, Boston Sticks, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. All of those things were. But I like the crazy stuff too, like Ray Stevens did the Streak. If you remember that crazy song yes and, uh, and then i one of my favorites is dark it's uh helen reddy's angie baby yes remember that song that's dark man <laughs> i really like that there is a podcast on this network pantheon networks called the story song podcast and it's two three friends take story songs and they did angie baby right oh. and they and the premise is they take the lyrics, break them down, and often do them literal, or they do. Then they take a break, and they come back and do the story behind the song and talk about it. And yes, there is this Angie Baby is, wow, there's a, there's some darkness there. Well, Absolutely. Like Warren, Warren Zevon, too. Werewolves of London and yeah. Lawyers, Guns, and Money. and But then on the other side, I like Gordon Lightfoot, and I like, oh, who's the guy that did Sweet 16? Been around for thousand years <laughs> yeah. just, so i got a really really wide appreciation for things and then one time uh, i don't know if you remember years ago it had to be 20 years ago greece came back out in the theaters i remember i attended with a girlfriend of mine and all of these teeny boppers were in the crowd and i'm thinking to myself oh man they're gonna be yapping the whole time and it was the best thing I ever saw in my whole life. They, these girls, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, knew all the words to all the songs, were singing like crazy throughout the whole thing. And I thought that was uh, very cute. Except there's some songs in that in Greece that are like filthy lyrics. <laughs> and these little eight year olds are singing them, screaming them out loud. <laughs> yes, that is some cream, baby. Something like that. Yes. <laughs> it is funny at times like you go what should we do that yes that's hilarious yeah so why did you decide to do a podcast my my main thing for a, long, a lot of years has been my mentor program with students come in they spend immersion weekends a year-long program all that stuff but i couldn't reach as many people so the podcast was actually after i started a school i have the only licensed dedicated internet and digital marketing school in the country and so i did that so i could reach more people because all of my training in the mentor program is one-on-one -on -one with me and my staff so you can only reach so many people uh, right I think I remember your Leah Elson was talking about she could have done this and helped five people a day, but she decided to go into research to potentially help thousands. Right? Exactly. Yes. So the same thing, although I don't quite look as good as her. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's not an engineer. That had to be a okay. an actress. <laughs> so. I for those of you, I I I was talking to my friends that do the Babylon Five podcast with me. And I was saying that, gosh, she was really interesting. She was incredibly smart. And I said, and I didn't want to do the cliche of, you, did. you don't look like, and she said, no, yeah, that's fine. I know I don't look like it. And so I showed their picture and like, it's like, God, she's beautiful. So yes, <laughs> just a fascinating, I ended up buying her book and really enjoying it. Yeah, that was no stupid. She had yeah. their stupid questions really big on the cover and then no Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked her. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah. She would, 
She's in my top five best looking. Yes. Yeah. But you'd yeah. be there too, Tom. I just that, made you know. it. I got to work harder. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you wanted a bigger audience, right? You yeah, felt so like I you could. And then, and by the way, I've been teaching this stuff forever. And I poo pooed podcasts in the early days because it was just all ego driven. Nobody was making any money. And, but that all changed where a couple major things happened. One was new cars were able to play podcasts from the dashboard. Hundreds of millions of potential more listeners that are stuck in traffic, screwing, not screwing the commute. And also the in-home devices, the uh, Amazon, what's it called? Uh, Alexis and everything. Alexa, yeah. And then the uh, Google Echo or what is so one of those things. Uh, but yeah. that's another billion of those have been sold. Right. right. Where you can just say, hey, play Screw the Commute podcast, and boom, I start playing in your house. See? So that's when I thought, this is the time. It's not, and people were making money. I've been on Entrepreneur on Fire like three times, I think, and they're making hundreds of thousands a month. Of course, Joe Rogan is, is the outlier, but yeah. um, people are making money now. And one of the, the mistakes people make is they try to chase sponsors. I made money from day one because I'm my own sponsor because I have products and services that, that I can yeah. sell. So that's what I started. I knew it was just another marketing effort and a way to help more people. And you've got thousands of listeners, but only a percentage of them can afford to buy my bigger stuff, but still I'm helping more people. And that's the whole thing of my whole career. You help enormous amounts of people. You can make a great living. People are always happy. They love you. They refer you, even if they can't afford you. And you are you can feel good about yourself when you go to bed at night. So that's where I'm at. Um, you mentioned you were the youngest. Do your siblings have that entrepreneurial spirit too? My oldest brother, which this is another kind of funny thing. My, my dad was married to my mother for 57 years. You've been 39. That's a yeah. heck of a thing right Thank there. You. I haven't made it 39 minutes with anybody, but 57 years. But the, the coolest part is he was married to another lady for 20 years before that. Wow. <laughs> so he, he was married 77 years. <laughs> so, wow. So, and the, and the, the extremely funny part that nobody ever mentioned while he was alive or my mother was alive <laughs> is he had his first wife's name tattooed real big across his chest. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. But anyway, his oldest son, Sam Jr., was an electromechanical genius. He's still up in the state of Washington. And when nobody can figure out how to do something, he's the one they call for enormous amounts of money because they like this plane got donated to a big college, but the hangar just wasn't quite big enough and nobody could figure out how to get it in there. So yeah. he designed this crazy door that would open enough to get the plane in there and they paid him a fortune. I don't know how much to do yeah. that. So he's a, he was an electromechanical genius. One was a, a provost of the university of South Carolina. Another one runs a big landscaping business, used to have a Volkswagen dealership. So he's mostly, mostly entrepreneurial. Yeah. You mentioned he's gone. Your father has moved on. Yeah. He, he died in around the year 2000. He had 94 still had his hair, all his hair too. <laughs> <laughs> so he was able to see your success? He saw a great deal of success uh, in the nightclub. He died after that. 
because I had already, after the nightclub debacle, I had already made it big in the entertainment business. That that prank masters company. When I got when I got out of the the nightclub business, I got hurt. People think, oh, Mr. Silver Spoon's talking to us here. I I got hurt, and some somebody had canceled the health insurance. Didn't tell me. And I was actually living in a vacant house on a mattress my buddy owned, watching Candid Camera on TV, couldn't walk, living off credit cards after I lost all that money in the nightclub business, watching Candid Camera. And this is another good kind of good tip is that I kept humor books around me because I've always been jokester my whole life. And so I kept my humor books to keep me upbeat in the face that I was big shot in the whole state. Now I'm living on a mattress in a vacant house. Right. Black and white TV, which your listeners probably never even seen, let alone heard of. Right? And But keeping your mind loose in the face of adversity is hard. I, get, I admit it. But whatever you can do to do that allows the new ideas of your life to come in. If you're just tightened up like a drum, they can't come in. So I was there and I was watching Candid Camera one day. And I thought, everybody likes Candid Camera, but... They can't really participate in it unless they live in California, get caught by the camera. That's it. And then yeah. what's the chances of that? So I was doodling and I doodled a little devil sticking his tongue out at you. And that's now my federally registered trademark for prank masters. And I went after I could walk, I moved to Washington, D.C. and started this custom design practical joke company. We we did over 4,000 uh, jokes and and I starved to death for the first six months, all right, because nobody ever heard of such a thing those days. And then I I had this crazy routine called an over-the-hill preacher, where I would dress up like a priest and do an over-the-hill last will and testament for you, but it's all comical. It's funny. Yeah. And, and we had these caskets that they're called pauper's caskets. I bought it at a flea market. It was 50 bucks for this full-size casket. And I would put it on a travel, a little utility trailer behind my Nissan Sentra. And I put a sign on it says Tom's discount funerals. And I'm driving down the road with this thing. And, and then I would do these things. So eventually the Washington Times picked up and did a feature article about me. And then the, all the papers watch each other. So then the Washington Post picked it up. And I started getting really busy after that. And then Associated Press picked it up and went to 1,500 radio and TVs around the world. I started doing radio and TV all around the world. Just blew up really big. And I had 35 characters working for me. I was This was 1980s money or early 90s, making 100000 a year and writing custom humor the whole time. And I did 1,000 performances myself, comic performances. But then I thought, eh, there must be something bigger out there. And that's when I got into the speaking industry because I I was making a hundred maybe bucks for a comic performance. The f- speakers were making thirty five hundred bucks in those days, and I broke in. This is another good lesson for everybody. I said I I'll break into the speaking business at five hundred bucks and I'll clean up because I'll be three thousand cheaper than everybody else. Couldn't get one job at five hundred bucks. Because everybody in the professional arena knew how much good speakers cost, and they figure something's wrong with you if you're too cheap. I must be a womanizer. I must not be PC. You know, yeah. I must not show up, or I must be a drunk. 
And so I raised my fee to 3,500 to start, took off the career. By the time I ended, I was 20 grand for a speech. And then I don't even want those anymore because I speak at these big events that I can pull a hundred grand every time I speak and sometimes yeah. a quarter of a million. So that was the progression of it through the, the practical joke company into the speaking arena and in the middle being just torn up with losing everything. What's next for you, Tom? What do you want to do next? Did you say what sex am I? No, what what's next? <laughs> <laughs> <It> must be. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I continue to run uh, my programs, my uh, mentor program. People come in from all over the world to study an immersion weekend here at the retreat center, and and the school is is doing well. The there's the documentaries coming out pretty soon. So I'm not sure when it's going to premiere, but they're negotiating with Netflix and those kind of things. So that's, uh, that'll be a, a big boost right there. But I just, um, I haven't been on a plane in four years, which just pleases me to no end because I can make as much money uh, here off the computer with my skills and helping other people do, which uh, took a big uh, that went up a lot during the uh, pandemic because everybody's home. So they right. needed a way to make money. So I'm happy to sit here. I do a lot of stuff on the side. I'm rebuilding a, a four-wheeler and I, I learned how to fell trees. I have 146 acres up in Pennsylvania that I'm thinking about making a hunting lodge up there. And so it's just whatever happens, it's just, it's, there's no pressure on it here because when you have good money coming in from all these internet properties, you can do what you want to do and help more people. And like I said, I, I don't deal with anybody I don't like. That <laughs> that That is nice. That is the ultimate, <laughs> right? The freedom, right? That's, that's it. Yeah. For sure. So freedom and the money's uh, good because you can uh, buy stuff and you're not uh, worried so much about bills. And it's 90, uh, mostly, I'm mostly digital now. There's no more tapes or DVDs anymore. It's all digital and that's 97% profit. And you got to really try to mess up at 97% profit and not make make some money. <laughs> I'm happy to just sit right here with my dogs. I have a, a thing where I, I, I teach people and I do it myself of making your hobbies tax deductible. Okay. So I happen to have the dubious distinction of being the largest person ever to create and star in a tennis training video. Okay. It's called, called fatsotennis.com. You can see it online where I'm playing tennis and eating pizza at the same time. And it's a two DVD. It's still on DVD, that one. But it's all the part of it's funny and part of it is serious. So the funny part is there's, I don't know if you remember that movie, Tin Cup with uh, Kevin Costner. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Locked that movie. Mojo as a yeah. golfer was trying all these gadgets. They have these yeah. gadgets for, for uh, fat people that play tennis. So one of them is if this is the racket, the butt of the racket's here and the things yeah. up here. So there's a suction cup you can put on there. So you never have to bend over to pick the ball up. You can just go like that stuff, a whole bunch of stuff like that. But then all the geometry of the court, I could, I was playing high school kids that were on the high school team and just, they were getting mad and running off the court because I know the angles. I can play the wind. I hit the low skidding shots where they're used yeah. to the big, high bouncing top spin shots and they're getting mad and running off the court. I'm 50 years old and they're getting pissed off at me. Fatso Tennis. And I have a protection dog company on the side. Protection dog started about 20,000 for a highly trained family dog and go up to 50 or 60,000. Just doing the things I like and making a tax deductible legitimately. <laughs> No, I, I love that. I, I love that spirit of yours. So I'm going to ask you the Mary question in a minute. I'm also going to 
let you talk about where to find you. But is there something I should have asked you, Tom, that I haven't? Probably. How do you keep those boyish good looks? Yes. <laughs> I was wondering about that. You're eight and a half years old. I don't know. Okay. If you're, so I'm so far over the hill. I can't remember going up the hill. Uh, I think it all stems my my demeanor and everything is all from keeping humor in my life. It might be cliche for six years of writing custom humor and just laughing my ass off all day long, creating these things to make one of a kind memories for people. It just keeps you young when you're uh, doing that kind of stuff. And then the beard, I never had a beard until the COVID came along because I I, I started listening to more news and I heard that razor blades contributed to global warming. So I didn't want to I want to do my so part. So you're like, okay, that, that's good. <laughs> Not shaving? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Or if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? To hear yeah. about more of these, to hear about your program, to hear about your the podcast. I see there is a lot of stuff you offer for free. There is also plenty of programs that you can, if you're interested in investing in yourself. So tell us a little about that. Yeah, they probably should go to screwthecommute.com slash automate free if they're in any kind of business or they do a lot of computer work, because uh, it's all the techniques I've I used to be I've handled up to 165,000 subscribers and 60,000 customers with one part time temp person. Now I have more people now, but this is the power of these automation tools that are some are free. Some one this one that's 20 bucks that I tell you about in the book. We estimated it saved me 8 million keystrokes over the years. Wow. That's hundreds of hours or probably months of stuff. See, I want people working with their customers or spending time with their family or doing anything but fighting with their computer, even if they like the computer. So this is all the techniques I use. And we sell it for 27 bucks, but yours free. I don't want the boss coming after me for hitting up your customer, your, your listeners. So, so, Very uh, nice. Screwthecommute.com slash automate free for that. And then Great Internet Marketing Training is my mentor program. And ScrewTheCommute.com is the podcast. And if you just go ScrewTheCommute.com slash training, that's probably 400 episodes of me just training on stuff. The other 400 are interviews of great entrepreneurs. There's a couple of ways to get me. All right. Very nice. I will include that links in the website. I'm going to sign up. For some information, it's always good to help me market the podcast. So that sounds great. I'm not um, sure you're going to like my Mary answer. Okay, gonna, no. I, think, I think it's going to be unique. I haven't heard all your episodes, but. Thank you for listening to any. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. So for those of you who are fans of Tom's podcast and checking out, he did you very proud. You should be very happy. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher. He's now a writer. He's got a new book out coming in November that I'll be helping him to promote. But when he was training, when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Bruce Springsteen's song Thunder Road. They would treat it as a poem. They would talk about the imagery Bruce uses, the themes Bruce explored, and then they would ask at the end of the class, does Mary get in the car? Tom, I am looking forward to hearing your answer. Does Mary get in the car? I'm not sure you end? are. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this. That is great. All right. The, uh, I'm going to give you the explanation, too. The answer is, yes, she got in the car. Absolutely. Okay. She got in the car 
She pulled out a knife and held it to his throat. <laughs> she said, I'm sick and tired of your damn celebrities talking politics. Just shut up and sing. And you called me all right. You call me all right. What do you think I am? Fucking Janice Ian? What's, <laughs> what's your problem? Listen, we're going to go rob a bank and then head to Mexico. You got it? That's the end. <laughs> I That is a unique answer. I love that answer. That is very nice. Very so cool. Definitely, definitely she got in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So screwthecommute.com. From there, you can find everything that Tom is offering, his links to social media, Tom, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right, listeners. Jesse Jackson. I'm going to go milk cats forever. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So listeners, go check out the website. Be safe. Be kind. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. And we're out. Great job, sir. That was fun. (laughs) That's the way we roll around here, man. Very good. All right. This will come out probably about a month. I will. Thank you, buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.